We begin to say things like, well, is it, is it really wrong to do this? Or does the Bible really say that? Yeah, it probably does. It does say that. And it probably is wrong, right? God means what he says. God says what he means. We kind of try to kind of change things, right? We want to carry our Bibles, come to church and say, hey, but I can do everything I want. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopart.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. All right, so Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Verse 22, Indeed, I will cast her into sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their, their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Verse 24. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. This is the letter to the church in Thyatira. You know, this is known as the corrupt church. Compromising church turns into what? A corrupt church, one that kind of steeped in sin, and then that church dies. You know, I think at the least we can apply to our own lives. The digression in our lives as Christians, right? We can, can begin to compromise. As we begin to compromise, we begin to what? Get corrupt. Right, we don't want to take heed to the Word of God. What's the best thing, right, that thwarts compromise is to be in the Word of God and to follow it. So we studied last week, right? That's why he revealed himself as what? The two-edged sword, which is the word. Cutting between bone and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of our hearts, right? Cuts out compromise. That's what we do. We begin to compromise. Does the Bible really say that? Does God really mean that? When we start to question, right, the word, we compromise, but then as we compromise, what happens? We begin to fall into sin, corruption. And I got to tell you, sin what? Sin leads to what? It leads to death. So you can see how in church history that happened, but 
not trying to go too far with church history parallels, but we cannot deny that that can happen in our own lives, that digression. Certainly in the church, a local church, right? As they begin to compromise the word, they begin to get corrupt. And as they begin to get corrupt, they die, right? It's the same for us. And so we can glean from these letters and even how it is in this order, right? And so we're looking at now what? The church has gotten corrupt. They're falling into immorality. That's what corruption is, right? Sin. Sin breeds corruption, immorality. And he's warning them. Now, I want you to note this. It's a church that is ministry. It's a church that, it says, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And it says that you're doing more works now than you did before, so it would seem that they're growing and maturing in that way. And they even have what the church of Ephesus didn't have, right? They have works and love. Remember in church in Ephesus? They had works, they had good doctrine, but it says you left your first love. And so this church, it would seem, it appears really well, doing really well. But there's corruption, and it's corruption that's hidden, right? And so that's why, notice in verse 18, it says, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. Do you understand that God, he sees, he knows everything? He even knows what you're thinking. I don't know about you, that's a humbling thought, right? That God knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm putting my eyes on. And so, you know, that account there in 2 Kings, I think it's around 2 Kings chapter, um, chapter 6 or so, 6 or 8, but it's when Elijah, remember he's the minister that he comes after Elijah. And remember Elijah, he... Um, He's prophesying, he's prophesying to the king of Israel there, and he's always one step ahead of Syria. And so Ben-Hadad II, he's the king there in Syria, and he says, hey, he's talking to his army there, he says, hey, who's the, who's the double agent here, right? Who's the spy? Because every time we make plans to go to war and we want to surprise the king of Israel, he's aware, he knows what's happening. And so he says, who's the spy in our camp? And so the guy in Benadad's army there in Syria says, hey, there's no spy in the camp, but there's a man in Israel. He's a prophet. And he knows what the king does even in his bedroom. He's talking to Benadad. So that's why Elijah's just telling them where to go, what's happening. He's one step ahead of you. And I always remember that. He says, hey, he knows what the king is doing even in his bedroom. Because what? The Lord knows everything. Can you imagine that? Well, you don't have to imagine that. It's true. God knows everything. He sees everything. He knows your thoughts. And so when you read this, these things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire. He's looking into you. He's looking into what's in your heart and mind. Notice in verse 23, he says, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And so there's corruption in this church. Even though this church is doing the work of the ministry, it has love. It has service, but there's certain things that they're doing that are sinful. Not everybody, but there are ones that are, are in sin. And it says that the Lord sees it. He knows it. And he goes specifically what that sin is. It's following this woman called Jezebel. And so we have to go to the historical accounts and see who Jezebel is and what her sin was. But he has eyes like a flaming fire. 
and his feet like fine brass. Now what's brass? Brass is the metal of judgment, isn't it? And so there's judgment coming on this sin. Now why is he going to judge? Because he wants to purge sin, right, from this church so that they can be purified and used, right? And so we see how Jesus reveals himself to this specific church. It's a little bit different than the church in Pergamos as the sword coming out of his mouth, right? The word of God, cutting compromise. It's a little different from how he reveals himself to the church in Smyrna, right? The first and the last, taking them to eternity. Don't worry about this life. You might even die for your faith, but know this, that you have eternal life. And then he says that he who was dead and alive, right? He's conquered death. But to this church in Thyatira, he's revealing himself to one who sees everything they're doing. Eyes like a flaming fire, his feet like fine, like fine brass. Okay, so the revelation of Jesus, Jesus Christ to this specific church, it's to purge sin, corruption from their life, right? So they can be used even more. Now, notice it says this, I know your works, right? Love, service, faith, and your patience. Again, they're doing the work of the ministry. But what I want to highlight to you is that notice it says, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. So it would seem that they're growing in their faith, in their service, right? But notice he says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And he specifically notes the sin of corruption. Okay, so I want you to kind of get kind of this sense in your mind. You have a church that they love, they have patience, they have works, and it would seem that they're growing, but sin is getting in. And so what does he want to do? He wants to purge sin from that. And you know, this happens to not only a lot of churches, a lot of people individually, right? They can be anointed, they can be doing more work their ministry, right? It seems like they're, they're doing all these things, but then sin gets in. And this is the warning, people. When sin gets in, it corrupts. And when it corrupts, it, we're going to see next week, it causes death. And so, you know, how many people do you know that have fallen to, to sin? It's destroyed their life, right? They've compromised, and as they compromise, right, they become corrupted. They begin to sin. And the thing about sin, right, doing it the first time is maybe challenging to do, but it gets easier and easier the second, third time, right? And then it destroys your life. We're going to see it. It actually causes death. And so we see this digression, as I mentioned. And so he says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So he begins to spell out their corruption and he highlights this woman Jezebel. Now, who is Jezebel? To kind of get an understanding about this woman Jezebel, we have to actually kind of look at some of these historical accounts. What was the sin of Jezebel? Well, let me give you some background on Jezebel. Okay, so Jezebel was not an Israelite. She was a Sidonian woman. And what happened was Jezebel, she married Ahab. I'd say she seduced Ahab. And so Ahab was one of the kings in the northern tribes of Israel there. And so Jezebel was kind of really in control there. And how she got control, she married Ahab, right? And began to influence his decisions. Now, how did that happen? Well, she worshipped the pagan god Baal. Ever hear that? Remember when um, she had that battle out with, the, um, with uh, Elijah? Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal? 
Well, those are her prophets, Jezebel. And remember when Jezebel chased uh, down Elijah, right? So she was really, she was a prophetess of, of Satan, basically. And she married into Israel. She married Ahab, and she began to, began to influence it. So Jezebel gets in through sexual immorality, right? But in doing that, right, she gets Ahab to worship pagan deities, and as Ahab does that, we see kind of how that happens. It goes down through all the different generations. Not only does it affect the northern tribes, but it starts to affect the southern tribes as well. And so this is where I want to take you to some scriptures. You have to do a really, really kind of careful study of First and Second Kings to see how Jezebel gets in, right? And then how she not only affects the northern tribes, but starts to affect the southern tribes as well. Because Satan wants to get in what? The line of the kings. He wants to influence them, right? Because that's the lineage, especially Judah, when we see it, it's the lineage to Messiah. And so Satan wants to get in. He wants to corrupt. And how he corrupts is through the, the, the sin of sexual immorality. But i got to tell you, people, notice it says, right? It says, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, right? People that are trying to follow the Lord, usually leaders in the church, right? My servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Notice the idolatry is connected to what? Sexual immorality. How is that connected? Well, you know, if you ever read the book of Hosea, it kind of speaks volumes on that. We don't have time to kind of talk about that, but you might want to read that in your own time, the minor prophet Hosea. How sexual immorality and idolatry, they're joined together. Why? Because when you join to somebody physically... You join to them spiritually. Okay, so when Ahab joins to Jezebel, physically, he seduced, right? He joins to her spiritually. And he begins to worship Baal. And so that's how they infiltrate. And that's how they corrupt. And so this is really the sin of Jezebel. And this is what he's warning them against. Sexual immorality and idolatry, they're joined together because they join spiritually. Now, it's interesting. What, is, what specifically is idolatry? We say, well, it's worshiping pagan gods, but really idolatry is this. It's worshiping yourself. It's worshiping me, myself, and I. I'm God. Whatever makes me feel good, physically, spiritually, emotionally, right? Now, do you have to be taught that? No, right? You like to feed yourself physically, spiritually, emotionally, right? It's all about me, right? It's until you get born again, right? Then it's about God, and even it's a struggle then. But that's really what idolatry is. It's the worship of self. And so you think about sexual immorality, right? Who are you thinking of? You're thinking of yourself. You're not thinking about God, are you? What feels good? Spiritually, right? Physically, emotionally. And so you see how they're connected there. Sexual immorality is really a worship of yourself. It's not a worship of God. And so this is how... It's going to get into Israel, right? And not only the northern tribe, but the southern tribe. But this is how it's getting into what? Even the church. I want you to note that. So many have fallen in the church to what? Sexual immorality. And so I want to give you some data points on this woman, Jezebel. Okay, so Jezebel, she marries Ahab, King Ahab, and she's a Sidonian woman. Now you can look this up. I'm just going to give you the addresses, okay? You can look this up in your own time. This is in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 29 through 31. Jezebel, she marries into, right, the line there in the northern tribes, and that's 
King, King Ahab, right? And then in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, that's the account there where she's trying to kill all the prophets of God, right? And so she's a prophetess of the pagan deity Baal, so she wants to kill all the prophets of God. And one of them is, remember Elijah? Remember Mount Carmel? That whole battle there, but after the battle was won, right? She starts to what, put a hit. She puts a hit on Elijah, and he begins to run for his life. That's all recorded in 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 22, there's a reference there that Jezebel, she's, she's basically into witchcraft, okay? And so a lot of spiritual type of things, and then she's worshiping Baal. And so that kind of gives you that sense when she's joining to Ahab physically, she's joining to him spiritually, right? So witchcraft is kind of taking over this king. Now, this is where I want to kind of show you, right? Just this, the power of this type of sin. It gets in physically, and then it gets in spiritually because there's a joining together, sexual immorality. Okay, so Athaliah was a very wicked lady, as was Jezebel, right? So you never want to name any of your daughters Athaliah or Jezebel. It's not a good thing, okay? And so Athaliah is actually the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. I want you to note that. And so she comes over and she marries one of the, Athaliah marries one of the southern tribe kings, which would be Jehoram. So go two up from Athaliah, that's Jehoram. Jehoram is Athaliah's husband. And the person in the middle, Ahaziah, is their son. And the person below Athaliah, Joash, is Ahaziah's son or Athaliah's grandson. But I want you to know, it goes from the lineage of Ahab and Jezebel. These men that she took down, they were all strong men. They weren't weak men. They were strong men. They couldn't be taken down any other way but through what? Seduction. And this is the warning that he's giving to the church in Thyatira. That Satan's on the prowl and he's taking down one's that are strong in their faith, that God is really using, he's taking them down through sexual immorality. And as they join to ones that are worshiping other gods, right, they, they fall. Remember the, uh, the account there with Balaam? That's what Balaam did, right? Remember Balaam? He was hired by Bala to pronounce a curse over Israel. Couldn't do it, right? Because God said, hey, they're my people. And so every time you try to pronounce a curse, you pronounce a blessing. And Balak got really mad. I'm not going to pay you, man. You bless them. You're supposed to curse them. He said, oh, how can I do anything other? God, God said to bless them. I had to bless them. So what did Balaam do? Remember the plague at Peor? Right there in Numbers. What did he do? He says, well, if I can't pronounce a curse on Israel, I'm going to take down these strong men of Israel. You know how I'm going to do that? I'm going to have the Moabite women seduce them. This prophetess, Jezebel, right? That's what happened. She wants to join physically, right? So she can join spiritually and take down men that are doing the ministry. And he warns them of this. Now verse 21 says, I, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. So he gives her an opportunity to repent. And those that have 
fallen into this sin. He gives them opportunity to repent, but if they don't repent, right, God's going to judge. That's what he's describing. I will kill their children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches what? The minds and the hearts. Remember? He appears to them as what? The one who's the son of God, omniscient, whose eyes are like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. He's coming what? He sees, he knows, omniscient, but he knows even the minds and the hearts. So it's one thing to say, hey, I'm sorry or I'm not going to do that anymore. It's another thing. He knows your minds and your hearts, right? And so he's, he's seeing, he's looking, right? And he's come to purify. He says, and I will give you, give to each one of you according to your works. Now, verse 24, now you, to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine. So those that are not, there are many that are walking with the Lord. They're patient. They're doing the works of the Lord. They have the love, right? As many that are staying pure, he says, who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put on you no other burden. And then he goes on to describe what the blessing is, right? If you don't fall to this doctrine, right? He says, but hold fast that you have till I come. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, who stays faithful until the Lord comes for his church, right? To him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. So he's referring, we believe, to the millennial kingdom. Now we know to this, right? The church is raptured, given a resurrected body, the marriage supper of the Lamb. During that time they're in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb, what's happening? Jesus is administering judgment upon this earth. The seven seals, losing those seals. Seven seals are loose, right? Judgment upon this earth to purge this earth from sin, to prepare when he returns with his church to rule and reign. And we believe it's going to be a literal thousand-year rule and reign and the church will be ruling and reigning with him, as with the Old Testament saints that are of the faith. They'll receive a resurrected body as well, and they're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus, a literal physical ruler. We believe that that's what's being referred to, right? I will give him power over the nation, and rule and reign with Christ over this earth. Verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. Who's the morning star? Well, we know from Revelation Verse 22, 16, it's, it's Jesus, right? They're going to be given the morning of Jesus. They're going to be seeing Jesus face to face. They're going to be ruling and reigning with him. And then verse 29 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so notice the plural, churches. So even though it's a letter to the church in Thyatira, the application goes to what? All the churches. Remember, notice this. Seven is a number of completion, isn't it? Right? It's to the fullness of the church and so even though he's giving a specific letter to the church in Thyatira revealing himself in a certain way one whose eyes are like a flame of fire right feet are like bronze right they need to be purified of their sin but it's going out to all the churches so we need to apply it to us as well right all these letters apply to us even though they're written to specific churches dealing with specific things we can relate and apply it to our church today, right? The application goes out to us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, okay? Thanks again for joining us on our podcast of Calvary Chapel, Agua Park. 
We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.